Okay, Daniel chapter 2. It's, it's a long account, 49 verses in chapter 2. So if you're taking the over-under on will we finish today, I would go, we probably will not get all the way through chapter 2. Um, just kind of a, a guess. <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult. And no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with the flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his com companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Let's pause there and, 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 and catch up on what's going on. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, several of the chapters, maybe not all of them, but many of the chapters in Daniel begin with a time frame of, of when this is happening, that he's writing in, in he's, he's writing real events in real time, though he may be writing this years later, uh, but, but that he, he gives us an idea, a precise time of when this happens in the second year. 
of Nebuchadnezzar, the, the great king of Babylon, the one who has conquered much of the known world. He, 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 he led the battle against the Assyrians and the, and the uh, Egyptians in Carchemish. He, he became king when his father, Nabopolassar, died. Now Nebuchadnezzar is, is the king. This is in the second year of his reign. Is there a conflict arising in your mind with when this is happening or, or what the events are that are going on? What, did, what happened in chapter 1? Daniel and his, and his three amigos were, were in school for three years. It seems as though they graduated and, and became, became uh, part, uh, entered into the king's service. So is this before that happened or after that happened? After. After, good answer. Why is it after? Even though that was the third year and now we're in the second year. The reason being, Don, Don, uh, most scholars, a lot of scholars would, would, would say exactly that. Um, I mean, they might not say precisely that Don is correct, but that's, that's the answer that they're going to say is, is that, and, and why so? Because the Babylonians counted the first year as the ascension year. It, it didn't count. It wasn't one, two, three. It's the ascension year. And then the, the next year was the first year, second year. So this really seems to be directly soon after Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah graduated from that school they were in and entered the king's service. So there's no contradiction. This isn't during the time that they're still in school. This, is, this seems to be after that. So Nebuchadnezzar, he has dreams, and it says what? His spirit's troubled and his sleep left him. Think about who Nebuchadnezzar is and... and, and this can happen to anybody. Dreams. I mean, God gives him these dreams, and it seems like it's the same dream over and over, but we're talking about the conqueror, the, the king of, of the, much of the known world, the, the, the ancient Near East. He's got what? He's got power. He's got authority. He's got riches, prestige. He's, he's in the middle of building this great empire, this where actually two of the original seven wonders of the ancient world are in Babylon, the city. You've got what? The, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. In about 25 years from when this is happening, he's going to complete what's called the Ishtar uh, Gate, which was one of the original... Seven wonders of the ancient world. Now, I know you know this. What replaced the Ishtar Gate as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world? Okay, no charge for this little bit of trivia. But later, the 
the lighthouse at Alexandria in, in Egypt replaces the Ishtar Gate. And just in case you're saying, no, I don't remember that from the list from, you know, 10th grade world history. Um, I know you're just dying for that. I'm sorry. So, so what, what's the point? Nebuchadnezzar is successful. He has everything. Power. He's building this great empire. And what happens out of the blue? God gives him this, this dream. And it, and it seems as though he has it over and over and over. And, it, and it's troubling him. He, he can't sleep because of this. It's like, what in the world's going on? Now, I know we haven't read the dream yet, but you've probably read the dream. I mean, we, we looked at this back uh, sometime in, in April, May, um, on those great podcasts, um, which this is so much more fun than sitting there and with my clock ticking in the background in case anybody heard that. <laughs> Somebody told me they heard that. And it's like, oh, yeah, I heard that. Um, so he has this, this dream, and, and it's very troubling. Have you had a dream that was very troubling? I don't, I don't remember my dreams very often. I don't know what that says. I'll, I'll wake up, it's like, oh, that one was cool. i got to remember. You know, maybe it's a work dream. You want to go tell everybody at work, and then by the time morning comes, it's like, I know there was a dream, but I don't remember it. But... but and, and we'll, we'll get into, does Nebuchadnezzar remember this dream or does he for, is he for, has he forgotten this dream? He calls in, who does he call in? Magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, Chaldeans, all of the wise men. That Maybe some of them were the profs in the school that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah went to. That, that he, he calls in the, the established wise men. Daniel, Hananiah... Misael, Azariah, they're, they're not called in to this, this initial uh, conference of, of the wise men. And, and, and he says, he's, and he brings them in and he, and he tells them, I had this dream and it's troubling me. So if you're one of these wise men or, or a wise woman, what, what's your first question? What's the dream? Tell me the dream. And, and I will tell you the interpretation. I mean, it seems, seems reasonable. Verse 4 says, Then the Chaldean said to the king in Aramaic, it's kind of a, that, that's kind of an interesting, another little bit of trivia. At, from this point on, Daniel chapter 1, in, in its entirety, Daniel chapter 2, up verses 1, 2, 3, are written in Hebrew. From this point on until I think through the end of 7, Daniel writes in Aramaic. So part of Daniel is written in Hebrew, part of it is written in Aramaic. Well, why? Well, nobody knows for sure. The, most scholars say, well, the part in Hebrew is specific not only, but is, is meant, Daniel was meaning it to be for the Jewish people and God's plan for them. Aramaic was the, uh, the, the language franca, the language of the day, much like is English the, the, the predominant world language today? I mean, we at least think so. Um, you know, in, in, in New Testament times, it was Greek. 
And so he's writing in, a, in, a, in Aramaic so that the whole world can understand it. So they answer him. He says, I had a dream. It troubles me. And then, then it's kind of a signal that, that it begins, he begins to write in, in Aramaic. And they say what? Is this a surprise? O king, live forever. I mean, they start out, you know, it's brown nose in 101. You, you, you have to just say, you know, something complimentary. If it's your boss, if it's your, your spouse, if it's, you know, whomever, you're, you're, you're needing to impress. And, and you want to say, I'm with you, king. You know, O king, live forever. Tell us the dream and we will show you the interpretation. Well, it doesn't sound unreasonable, but Nebuchadnezzar says what? No, the decree is firm. Now, there's two schools of thought. He's forgotten the dream or he knows they can't be trusted. He, he wants, if you're going to tell me the, the interpretation, if you can give me the interpretation, then you can give me the dream. That's, I like that better than he forgot, that, that he knows who he's dealing with. These, all of these wise men, sorcerers, enchanters, the Chaldeans, what, at one time that was the name for Babylon, but, but it eventually becomes the, uh, the wisest of the wise men and, and the dream interpreters. And, and so he, he's, he says, tell me the dream. It's firm. I know you've schemed together to buy time and to come up with something. If you don't tell me the dream, you're going to be torn limb from limb and your houses are going to become a dunghill, a, a total ruin. It's, it's the end of life for, for, for you if you don't tell me the dream and its interpretation. Why... When you go through Daniel, especially when you get to, to, to chapter 4, we almost forget what a despot Nebuchadnezzar is. It, it, it's easy to just sort of overlook it, but he was, he was a bad guy. He, here he is just because they can't, if they can't tell him the dream, he's going to get rid of all of them, kill them. We see they, they, they even go to get Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Misael to, to, to kill them as well, all of them, whether they were part of that initial group or not. Just use that to just kind of keep it in the, in the back of your mind. Nebuchadnezzar is not a good guy. But who did God give the dream to? Nebuchadnezzar. So he says, Show me the dream, tell me the dream, tell me the interpretation, or I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to bulldoze your house. But if you can tell me, then I'm going to give you great uh, gifts and rewards and, and great honor. Now, why would he present it in such a way? Is he just, I mean, he is evil. He's he's he's. He's a despot. He's, he, he's a tyrant as a ruler. Who are all these? He knows, 
Yeah, he does. He, he, he doesn't want, if I tell you the dream, you're going to make something up. How are they going to make something up? They're probably not going to make anything up. The Babylonians had a book for dream interpretation or books. Yeah, they, and, 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 and there are copies. It's in some museum. I can't remember the name of the museum that it's in. But, he, but 11 tablets, um, that's a, a compendium of, and here's the word, and, and this, I will be nowhere close to the right pronunciation, but aneromancy, oneromancy, which means divination based on dreams. Uh, uses dreams to predict the future. The Babylonians had 11 tablets that, that, that we know of that gave interpretation to dreams. One of them was, if a man dreams he's eating human flesh, he will have great riches. So we're not going to share dreams, but, you know, if you lived in ancient Babylon and you dreamed you were eating human flesh, I mean, that's a nightmare, but, but it means that you're going to have great riches. If you dreamed that somebody gave you some wood, then it, then it means that you'll have no rival. So they had, the, they had 11 tablets of, of dream interpretations. Eight of the tablets were, were it, it was a manual for deductive divination, and then three of the tablets were rituals to alleviate bad dreams. You know, so, so you could go to these, you know, they probably had you know, like a shingle setting out on their doorpost and, and, okay, I gotta live, I'm having a bad dream. I need to figure out how to get rid of it. And, and they had procedures for getting rid of bad dreams. It's like years ago, I, 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 there was a, a thing, I can't remember the name of it now. It'll come to me later. But some of the, the uh, Appalachian folklore on, on things to do if you experience some issue. And one of them was if you had pain in your back, you put an axe under your bed and the axe would cut the pain. So when you got up the next morning, you wouldn't have pain. So it's not just the Babylonians that have these old, you know, these old folklore type cures for things. We, you know, and you may be thinking of one that somebody told, somebody in your family told you. Or getting rid of things. So the Babylonians had this. Nebuchadnezzar knows. They got this book, this, these tablets of how to interpret dreams. And if I tell them the dream, they're just going to go, okay, that's on, that's on page 80 and paragraph 4. And they go and they say, okay, this is what it means. So he's getting a step ahead of them and says, no, you, you shall not do that. We, we're not going to put up with it. And, and you tell me the dream. Deuteronomy 18, Moses gives the children of Israel all of these, uh, God's law in no witchcraft, no divination, no sorcery, no fortune telling. These are the guys that Nebuchadnezzar brings in. But 
dreams don't seem to fit into that category. Think of other occasions when someone in the Bible had a dream. I mean, one of the, one of the, the best known dream interpretations, interpreters, his name was Zophanet Pinea. Do you remember him? Well, that was his Egyptian name after Pharaoh renamed him. His Hebrew name was Joseph. I mean, just the similarities in Daniel and, and Joseph, the, 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 the patriarch, the son of, of, of Jacob, are, are amazing. He, he, too, had his name changed. So if you're, if you're in a Bible trivia, you know, game, and they say, you know, who was Zophaneth Paneah, you'll you remember now, right? E even though... We've probably read that account dozens of times, and, and if I hadn't looked it up yesterday, I wouldn't have, I'd have never pulled that one out. But Joseph had a dream of just his own uh, future, and he shared it with his brothers, and that got him in trouble. You know, but they meant it for bad, but God meant it for good. Joseph interpreted the baker and the cupbearer's dreams. He interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Solomon had a dream. The magi who visited the baby Jesus were what? Warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. Pilate's wife had a dream before Jesus was crucified, and she warned Pilate. Um, Paul had a dream that told him to go to Macedonia. So dreams are not in the same category. I may be getting into dangerous territory of, you know, these are biblical accounts. I'm not saying that your dream is necessarily, or someone else's dream. If somebody, if somebody tells me I had this dream and this is what God's telling me, if, it does, if it's contrary to Scripture, then it's either that person or another entity, you know, trying to give him that interpretation. But, but, but God used dreams all through Scripture to, to, to tell his people, his, his children, something. In this case, though, it's not one of the Hebrews. It's the tyrant Nebuchadnezzar who has this dream. And, and he, he tells them, not to beat a dead horse, but... Tell me the dream and, and the interpretation, and you'll have great riches. The Chaldeans come back and say what? No king has ever requested such a thing. You know, you, you, you've got to give us something to work with. This request is something that only the gods can do, but what? But they don't walk they don't live among man. Their gods, Marduk, Baal, the whole pantheon of, of, of Babylonian gods were idols made of stone. They're telling Nebuchadnezzar, the gods don't live among flesh. But what do we find out from this? that Daniel's God does live among flesh. Number one, he lives, he's a real God, but, but that he's also involved in, in, in people's lives. Sinclair Ferguson 
in, in his commentary wrote, how godlike that God should reveal his glorious purpose through the forgotten dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And, and he's saying he forgot it. But he also says, well, maybe he didn't forget it. But that this, this so, so call it an unknown dream. God's revealing his purpose through an unknown dream, through a, a despot, pagan, tyrant ruler like Nebuchadnezzar. That, that God works in mysterious ways. So they tell him, no can do. We can't do it. No magician, enchanter, Chaldean. It's, it's, it's too difficult. Only the gods could do it, but they don't dwell here. We, we, will nev we would never be able to receive an answer from, from, from them. Verse 12, what is Nebuchadnezzar's response? Mad and what else? That's... That just gets my funny bone. He's angry, he's mad, and he's furious. He, 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 he's, he's just a hissy fit. <laughs> Can you picture that? You're probably exactly right that, that he's, you know, he's the son of the former king. Now, he was a, he was a great general. He, he conquered he did much of his, his father's fighting battles, you know, that he, that he conquered the Assyrians and the Egyptians. So, but he's also has this hissy fit. I mean, it's like you can just, you know, think of something. A four-year-old or, you know, a 30-year-old, a um, what do they call it? And this is probably, I probably shouldn't say this. A 30-year-old a, a trust fund baby who's never done anything and, and all, he can't get his way. And it's like, no, 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 no. And, and so he, he says, off with all of them's heads. We're going, you're, you're all going to be killed. And he's just had this new graduation class. You know, these 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 not only from Israel but probably other surrounding areas that they brought took back to Babylon and, and trained them and he tells Arioch who's like his you know one of the brown shirts go get them kill them all and, and, and he goes this decree goes out that all the wise men are going to be killed and so Arioch starts going to you know he doesn't kill any of them, it doesn't seem. And he, and he goes, okay, i got to get these new guys. Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. One of my goals for, um, for doing Daniel is to remember their three Hebrew names. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it just kind of rolls off the, the tongue that, that, that we know them by that. But... Hananiah, uh, Misael, and Azariah, they're Hebrew names. I want to try to make that, it's probably not going to stick, but I'm going to try to make, try to remember their names. Go get them too. Ariok goes and, and he, uh, he, he, he finds Daniel. 
He says, come on, guys, it's time for your heads to be chopped off. And you weren't doing anything else today, right? It's like, it's, and Daniel, what's Daniel's response? You hear a lot, huh? Yeah, come, come in. I mean, you hear fight or flight, right, with, with all the different mass shooters. Is this either one of them? And I'm not saying if you're in a mass shooting situation that you say, but Daniel says, what's going on? Why? What is so urgent? Notice how in, in verse 14, the response, I mean, Daniel's writing this about himself, but it's, it's really not boasting. It says, then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. He's, he's replying, responding really just 180 degrees differently than Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is, is you know, he has a hissy fit. He's mad and he's furious. He, he's really chapped. And he's like, go get them, kill them all. I'm tired of these guys. They're just wanting to, you know, play for time. They're going to tell me a falsehood. And then when something else happens, they're going to say, well, that's really what we meant. You know, they're going to they're change their words. Daniel responds with prudence and discretion. Any other words that, that your translation may use for great wisdom? Great wisdom. And tact. How old is Daniel? He, he's probably still a teenager. I mean, a, a, a lot of the scholars say he was 14 to 17 when he, when he went to Babylon three years later, you know, maybe 17 to, to 20. He's pretty young. I don't know how many times I responded to anything with wisdom and tact when I was 20. I mean, you can share with the class if you remember a time, okay, I got pulled over for, you know, exhibition of acceleration, which means you were burning off in the parking lot and, and the policeman, you know, you don't respond with wisdom and tact. Uh, you just... But it's in Daniel's nature to, to respond that way. And he, so he asks Arioch, why is this so urgent? What's the rush? This is, we can't go back. Once we kill all these guys, we can't undo it. You can't get a, a redo on it. What, what's so urgent? And Arioch responds kind of, um, in kind, that, that, that he tells Daniel. Why do you suppose Arioch's been charged by Nebuchadnezzar to do what? To kill all the wise men. Daniel, go, he goes to Daniel. Okay, buddy, come on, get, get your friends. We're going. Everybody's head's being chopped off this afternoon. And, and Daniel says, well, we'll wait. And, and, and we don't get his whole... Uh, monologue or his whole, uh, what he tells Arioch, but that apparently 
Arioch listens. Why? It's really between the, the lines, but we know. You know, what was one of the big verbs back in chapter 1? God gave Judah into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. God gave Daniel favor in the sight of the chief eunuch. God gave them learning, skill, and wisdom in, 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 in all of the matters. God gave da uh, Daniel favor here with Arioch. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't say it, but that's exactly what happened, was that, that God is directing these things. God is, is God's mercy, God's, God's preserving Daniel. There are still two more batches, groups of captives that are coming to, to Babylon from Judah when this happens. That this is around 602 B.C. and 597, Nebuchadnezzar is going to go back. He's going he's to take more captives in 586 uh, 16, 17 years from now, he's going to go, he's going to be so mad at, at the king, the puppet king of, of Israel that he's going to destroy the temple. He's going to take most of the rest of them back to Babylon. God is preparing Daniel to be there to help guide the people through this, through the captivity, just like he sent Joseph to Egypt beforehand, that Joseph was there when Judah and the other 11 brothers went to Egypt to avoid the famine, that God was preparing. Even though he's punishing his people, he's still preparing for that remnant and for their well-being. So God gave Daniel, I think, favor in Arioch's eyes. Then what happens? It says, Daniel went in and requested time from the king. Anything? He's pretty brave. He's pretty brave. Besides being brave, anything else jump out at you? What did Nebuchadnezzar tell the Chaldeans when they asked, okay, tell us the dream? They asked him a second time, tell us the dream. Back in, in verse 8, says the king answered, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time. I lost it. Because you see that the word for me is firm. Nebuchadnezzar didn't want to give them time, but he gives Daniel time. He didn't ask for the dream. He just said, give me time so that I can come up with this. I, I, I will do it. Okay. That he had forgotten the dream. Yeah, I, I think he for. Oh, well, it's, it's either one. Did he forget? You know, if you dreamed a dream and then somehow somebody told you what it was, you would remember. I don't know why I think that. But sometimes you, you dream a dream. Oh, I got to remember this. I got to tell my wife. I got to tell somebody. And, and then you forget it when you wake up. And then later in the afternoon, you're driving home. From, oh, yeah, it was that. 
And then by the time you get home, it's like you forgot it again. So if, so if they had told him, he would know, okay, yeah, that was my dream. Or he forgot it. Just, I mean, or he remembered it and he's, he's testing them. I think I have, but I'm not real. <laughs> You're still dreaming? You only thought you'd woke up? <laughs> you dreamed that you woke up and then you have it again. <laughs> we'll start in verse 17. Daniel asked for time. We'll start in verse 17 next week. Daniel asked for more time. We're going to see what he does with that time, which is he's going to pray. I don't want to ruin the story for you, but I know you've read it. He, he's going to pray. And then when he gets his answer, what does he do? And is that what we do? Just you can ponder that if that made any sense, you know. But what can we glean so far from these 16 verses? I got to see who this came from. Okay. Um, Sinclair Ferguson, again. He, it's interesting. He titles this chapter, Bad Dreams. Uh, a, a, another uh, Scotsman that, that I, I have his commentary, Ian Duguid calls it interesting times. So you go from interesting times to, um, to, to bad dreams. But Sinclair Ferguson says that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar demonstrates or, or graphically illustrates the truth about those who live their lives apart from God. And he, he gives two examples. He says, number one is insecurity. Nebuchadnezzar is the man He's the king. He's at the top of the Fortune 400 most wealthiest people in the world. He's, he's, he's number one. And yet he, he is insecure because of this dream. And when we see his dream, it's, it's, I don't know, would this dream have bothered you that much? I mean, you know what's going to happen at the end? I mean, maybe it would if you see this stone uncut by human hands and it starts crashing this, uh, this statue, but, but that he's, even though he has all this power, that, that he is, he's insecure and that anyone living their life apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ, has those same insecurities. It does not matter what they've achieved in, in, a, in a worldly fashion. You know, why, why should this fill him with such anxiety except that he's living exclusively for the moment, exclusively in, in this world? And that, that's why it, it, it bothered him. This is, it's temporal. Everything that Nebuchadnezzar has to look forward to is the then and now, 2,500 years ago. But that in Christ, we know that God's kingdom is going to be established forever and ever and ever. And so what happens now doesn't matter because we know that we are sealed in God's grace and mercy through the blood of Christ. And that, that our 
uh, eternal security is based on that and, and not us. And also, he, Ferguson says that it just um, human hostility, his, Nebuchadnezzar's true nature is revealed in, in, his act, in his actions. There's no sense of peace within him, uh, no personal peace, and, and, and that it just reveals a, a deep-rooted hostility toward God. He's saying that anybody that lives outside of Christ has that inner hostility toward God. And we see that more and more in our world, in our, in our nation, in our state, even, even in, in our county of just a hostility toward God. What do you see? Any, what, tell me what you we can glean from, from, from these 16 verses. I think Daniel could demonstrate that that, that dream comes from, comes from God. Or proves, it. proves that it does. Yes, absolutely. Because he, he knew the dream and he could have interpreted it. Who else could give him the, the dream, tell Daniel the dream, but God, and God was the, the author and originator of the dream. So it goes back to what? The main theme of Daniel is, is God is sovereign. God is in control. When he asked him for time, he, he had faith that God would, would show him, would, would give him the answer, would show him the dream and interpretation. Right. So it's a, uh, Daniel is another example to us of, you know, faith. Do, I, th he would, that would be hard for a 40-year-old, a 50-year-old to, you know, keep going. But he's a teenager or a 20-year-old, and he has this faith that God's led him 500 miles from home. That's on a straight line. You know, they may have traveled eight or nine hundred miles just to avoid the desert, gone over there, he's gone through this school, but he's already seen that God gave him favor in the eunuch's eyes. God gave them wisdom, and, and he's, he's living that faith out against Nebuchadnezzar and his totally unrealistic expectations. Any, any other observations? Thank you, David. Well, let's pray. We'll look at starting verse 17 next week. When we did this on the podcast, there were, it took three weeks to get through. Um, we probably won't get to the very end of chapter two next week, just in case you were wondering, but we'll see. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we, we thank you that you're in control. No matter what the situation is, it seems out of our control. God, we know that you have a, a plan, a perfect plan. We just ask you to help us to remember that. Help us to, to live our lives uh, in, in a way that demonstrates to, other, to others who you are, that we can use Daniel as a, 
example of one who is faithful and has faith in you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.